Will you bow your heads in prayer with me? Good and gracious God, we thank you for this day. Uh, we ask that you would speak to us, uh, that your word uh, would come alive to us today, um, that we may leave this place knowing that you have spoken to us. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Friends, this morning we're going through this, uh, starting a new sermon series. Sermon series is a fancy word. Um, essentially what we're saying is we're going to focus on this uh, for the next couple of uh, weeks. So uh, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Second Timothy uh, and see what God has to say to us uh, through uh, this letter that Paul had written to a young man named Timothy. Paul and Timothy are... Um, uh, we're good friends. Uh, they travel together. They preach the gospel together. They um, were persecuted together uh, as well. And Paul calls uh, Timothy his true son in the faith. Uh, and Paul is continuing to teach and mentor Timothy um, uh, through this uh, letter. And this is what we read uh, in the opening chapter or the greeting. <clears throat> Recalling your tears, uh, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Verse 6, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Here, I think Timothy uh, is a little discouraged right now. Uh, he's a little discouraged at what is happening. And Paul wants to share a word of faith, uh, a word of encouragement uh, to him. And, I've, and I'm hoping that if some of you this morning are, if you are feeling discouraged, uh, I want to give you a word of hope uh, from this letter that Paul had written. This morning, I want to focus on the ifs. Uh, I want you to think about if you ever dreamed of this or, uh, or spoke to your friend or to yourself this way, using the if language. Um, you know, I want you to think about that, if. And I'm going to tell you a story. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, I was talking to my son, Josiah, and um, he and I um, chat about all kinds of things, and this, this topic for this day was about his future. Uh, and just as an anecdote, I want to share with you that Josiah, I have four kids. Uh, he's our youngest. He's eight years old. Uh, Josiah, all his life, uh, if you're a nurse, you exactly know what I'm talking about. If you're a parent, you'll know what I'm talking about. His growth chart, there's like a little chart that goes and they mark how the kid is growing. Josiah always fell around 40 percentile or lower than that. So he's skinny and he's not very tall. Okay, uh, and um, he's about, you know, if I say he's average height, that means I'm being very generous to him, all right? So he's not really that tall. So anyway, so this is what he said to me the other day. <clears throat> Dad, if I'm in the NBA, <laughs> I'm going to buy you a yacht, and we can go fishing. If I'm in the NBA... I'm going to buy you a yacht. My question is, now who's going to pay for gas? Like after that, like that's a great gift. Thank you. But like, like, am I paying for the gas? Are you paying for the gas? Like who's paying for the docking fee, right? Like who's paying for the crew? Like this is a beautiful gift, Josiah. But like, you know, like that was my question, right? Like, you know, I don't have a lot of money. Like apparently yachts cost a lot of money. It's not just buying, it's maintaining it, right? If. I'm in the NBA. If I'm in the NBA, I am going to get you a yacht, Dad. Right? So here's the reality. The probability of Josiah 
the probability of Josiah making the Sun Valley high school team is very slim to none, all right? We're talking Sun Valley, all right? I mean, I'm not bashing Sun Valley, but I'm saying <laughs> we're talking about Sun Valley, right? He, I doubt he'll ever make that team. And it would be next to a miracle if he ever makes the NBA. I don't know the future. I don't know what the future holds, but I can speak with 99% accuracy this morning, friends. My son is not playing for the NBA, <laughs> and I'm not getting a yacht, and I don't have to worry about paying for the expenses, right? If, if, I'm wondering how many of us sitting here today play the if game in your own life. You know, if only I had good genes, I would be taller. I would be playing in the NBA. <laughs> if only my parents were rich. If I was born into a really wealthy family, I wouldn't have to deal with financial troubles. If only I had better friends, I would not be lonely. If only I had a better job, things would be different. I would not be facing these challenges. If, if, what are your ifs? What is that if that is bothering you in the end that, want, that you want it to be different? All these problems will go away. If only this is fixed. Friends, this morning, if you are saying those words, if you are playing the if game today, I want to share with you what Paul is writing what Paul is writing to Timothy to give him a boost, to give him a boost, to say, Timothy, you can do it. Hear these words from verses uh, 11 to 13, Paul writing to Timothy using a bunch of ifs. This is what we read. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. Here are the ifs that Paul is penning down. These ifs, these three ifs that I just shared with you, these were used as a mantra in the early church or as a creed that is said over and over again. That they say it over and over again to be encouraged in the face of challenges. If we died with him, we will also live with him. Many times within the evangelical circles, we have seen death, and then we experience eternal life. We need to die in order for us to receive this eternal life. Do you remember Billy Graham and his crusades? Um, one of the things that he would say, challenge the crowds that gathered in front of him is, he would say to them, if you die today, where will you go? Will you go to heaven? Now, will you, if you say yes to Jesus, you will go to heaven. There is truth to what Billy Graham is saying, what he preached about. But so when we read what Paul is writing to us today, <clears throat> saying, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. When we read that, we immediately think or see through this lens of an evangelical Christianity where we end up seeing this as afterlife. That if we have died with him, we will also live with him. There is truth to that. But this morning I want to offer another truth, another conclusion, and maybe see this in a new light. I believe that when we say yes to Jesus, Christ gives us a new life today, right now, in our breath, 
in our bones, Christ gives each one of us a new life that can be experienced in this life right now, in the present, in this flesh and blood. Let me share the scripture that I use to back this up. This is what we read in Colossians chapter 3. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things about where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now. Your life now, the present. I love this verse. For you died, and your life now, hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Friends, we have been raised with Christ. Today we are called to live <clears throat> that life appears to be. No matter what the challenges you are facing today, your life is hidden in Christ. Is life really hard for you this season? Are things happening in your life where you're saying, it is really, really challenging to go through this life? And I want to tell you and remind you that your life is hidden in Christ. Some of you might be saying, Pastor Johnson, I hear you. I hear you say, my life is hidden in Christ, but why am I playing the if game? Why is life so difficult right now? Shouldn't all this be gone away if my life is actually hidden in Christ? To which I would say, you're right, and I don't have a good answer. But I can share with you Paul's circumstances, and maybe just maybe that might change your perspective and maybe that might encourage you this morning. Paul is saying to Timothy in verse 8 that was read to us today, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, this is my gospel. That's it. That is Paul's gospel. Verse 8, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, this is my gospel. But then he says something for which I'm suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. See, Paul is reminding Timothy, who's discouraged right now, who's going through a really difficult time right now, saying that the, Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, descendant of David. This is the gospel, Timmy, is what he's saying to him. For this gospel... I'm chained as a criminal. See, when Paul preached this gospel that Jesus Christ raised from the dead, that means there's nothing in the world that Jesus Christ cannot conquer. When he preached this gospel, people did not applaud and say, thank you for saving my life and changing my life, but rather they imprisoned Paul. Rather, Paul was imprisoned for sharing that gospel. Friends, Paul, who's imprisoned in a Roman prison, is saying these words. He's in prison, and yet he's able to declare the gospel. Yet he's able to declare the gospel. Can you declare the gospel despite your ifs in your life? Despite things that are difficult in your life right now? Can you say that? Can you take courage knowing that you believe the same gospel that is preached by Paul? No matter what your if is, I want you to live 
in Christ, knowing that your life is hidden in Christ's life. Next, Paul talks about another if. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Are you... Are your ifs coming into play because you're exhausted and completely alone? Are you saying, if only I had more of this, then I would be not be exhausted. If only I had more friends, I would not be alone. Friends, I honestly think Timothy here is completely exhausted and alone. You're told to flame the flames that have been given to you because Timothy is not paying attention to that which God has given him. Later, we see that Paul uh, is telling Timothy, don't let others look down on you because you're young. Don't let others look down on you because you're young. People are looking down on Timothy. No one's hanging out with Timothy here. They're actually looking down on him. Is someone looking down on you today? We're called to endure. We're called to endure because for when we endure, we will reign with him. Earlier in the chapter uh, 2, Paul uses three anal uh, analogies to talk about the Christian life. He compares the Christian journey to a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Here, a soldier um, and an athlete uh, need to endure the journey. The soldier needs to take the orders that are given to him seriously by his commanding officer, by her commanding officer. They need to be of a single mind. And that single mind is they will do whatever their commanding officer tells them to do. He needs to endure the cost. The soldier cannot say, ah, I don't know if I want to do this. I'm going to pass on this. That would be against every training he ever went through. Then take a look at the athlete, right? Look at the athlete. The athlete constantly looks at the finish line, right? No matter what, the athlete is focused on the finish line. All the training that they go through, all the many times they didn't want to train, but yet they showed up and they trained because they know what awaits on the other side. The price, the crown that awaits, the endurance that an athlete needs. It's pretty exceptional. The grit. You know, fighting through difficult days, fighting through days that you don't feel like you need to be on the field, and yet you show up over and over again. Fighting through the pain, fighting through the challenges that we go through. See, friends, when we endure them in Christ, I believe we will reign with him one day. Friends, take heart. May you be encouraged, knowing that you're called to endure like an athlete. Finally, Paul uses this analogy of a farmer who works towards a harvest. The earlier two analogies that I, um, uh, that I shared with you about soldiers and athletes, right? We can relate to them in some ways or the other. But the farming one, I'm going to talk about in, in, in a minute. The reason we can relate to it is, right, in our own congregation, we have several veterans, right? We have soldiers who have served our nation uh, faithfully. And they have stories to tell. We can, we can relate to them right? Like athletes, like, you know, our kids play soccer, our grandkids play different sports. We can, we can relate to them. We, we stand on the sidelines and we can cheer for them. Anyway, but how about them Phillies? All right. Anybody see the Friday game? Ninth inning, baby. That was, that was pretty awesome, right? Right? Like, this has kind of become second nature to us, <laughs> right? But the farmer, 
that analogy is becoming further and further removed from us uh, just in terms of our culture. I had a, a church member at a previous church. Her name was Vivian, and she shared with me about growing up on a farm and what that meant for her. Um, she said her parents were farmers, and they raised cows, and they uh, also farmed the land. And she described farming as something that they did 24-7. Um, that's it. 365 days a week, a year, they did farming. She said to me, you know, I never really knew what it meant to go away on a vacation. See, the first time I ever heard that was when I was married. And my husband said, where do you want to go for vacation this year? And I said, what do you mean? People go away for a full week? They don't have to worry about the farm behind? Right? See, farming is something that we do 24 hours a day. Seven days a week, 365 days of the year. We have to have that sense of endurance as a farmer for the Christian journey. For when you endure, you will reign with him. This is the promise that is given to each one of us. Friends, don't give up. Hang in there. Hang on to it. Hang on to it. And finally, Paul shares the final if. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Are you saying to yourself today, I am failing miserably as a Christian. I'm doing things I'm not supposed to do. I know what Christian values are, but I am failing. In the midst of all these failures, are you saying, if only this didn't happen, I would not be a failure? Friends, if you're failing today, I want to remind you that we worship a God who is faithful. We worship a God who is faithful. Look at the church in Ephesians. They were failing as well. Timothy is their pastor. Paul, Apostle Paul, founded this church. But this, in this passage that we read, we read in verse 14. Keep reminding them, warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value, only ruins those who listen to it. This church is fighting amongst itself. They are failing miserably. They are failing miserably. And Paul is saying, quit it. Stop fighting amongst yourselves. And earlier in chapter 1, Paul writes this, You know everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including, I'm going to call him Phil and Herb. I, don't, I can't pronounce those Greek names, so you can read it yourself. All right? There were two guys, Phil and Herb. They deserted Paul, ran away from him. And I think Paul is naming these two individuals because they failed. And Timothy knows who those guys, these two guys are. And they failed completely. Friends, if you are failing today in your walk with Christ, we serve a God of second chances. This morning, if you find yourself failing all we need to do is we need to hear this good news that we serve a God who is faithful when we come before our God and we say, God, I'm sorry for the things that I've done. When we confess our sins, Christ welcomes us back into his arms and continues to hold our life in his arms. This morning, would you take your failures and confess them before Christ? Would you just say, God, have mercy on me? God, have mercy on me, for I have failed. And yet, 
Christ remains faithful. I want to end our conversation today uh, sharing this analogy. If you're playing the if game in your hearts today, for whatever those ifs are, if you are playing that game, I want to end with this analogy. I want to share with you this analogy. And as I'm sharing this, there are two responses that you might end up having. One is you might say, oh, that's interesting. Didn't think about it that way. Or as I'm speaking and I'm sharing this story with you, you might say to yourself, what a nerd. Y'all can laugh. You can say, what a nerd. And that's okay because I will take that as a compliment. Okay? So those are the two things that, are, that you might react with. But what I want you to focus on is the story that I'm about to tell you. So um, how many of you have a smartphone? Everybody, right? Okay. Uh, I have a smartphone. I don't have it on me. It's, it's back there. Um, in your smartphone, uh, almost all of you have uh, what is called a compass. You all know what a compass is? It tells you if you're going east, west, north, south, right? So this is something that I do anytime I travel. Uh, when I travel, uh, I usually, um, you know, pull up the compass, you know, to entertain myself to see where the flight's going and all that. So I was flying back from Kansas. Um, I don't know at what point, which point I turned on the compass. Um, and uh, this is what I saw uh, in the first one. So I'm coming from Kansas, right? Like, you know, Kansas is there. That's west. East is Philadelphia, right? You're heading east. Y'all get it? Right? Life was good. I was watching it. I was watching it. A couple of things happened. I'm still focused. I'm like, you know, thinking about things and, you know, I'm kind of looking at the compass and all that. It was, everything was great. And then the captain made an announcement um, saying that we were facing some turbulences. And, um, and slowly the plane started to shift a little bit. And so this is what happened. All right. So we were kind of going east. So we started going a little bit north. And I was like, all right, I can live with that. Like, you know, whatever, you know, like, that's really interesting. You know, I'm kind of keeping watching it, going through it and all that. And then a couple of minutes passed, a couple more minutes passed. Now I'm losing track of time and my blood pressure is going up. My blood pressure is going up and I'm freaking out. And what I don't understand is there is nobody around me who's freaking out. Some people are soundly asleep. No one's standing up and saying anything. And so I'm, I am trying to say something now. And I want to say something. But there's this voice inside my head that's saying, Johnson, play cool, man. Just, just be quiet. Just, just, just chill. All right? Because this is what was happening. We were heading west. Like, we were literally going the other way. We were going the other way. Like, why would you go that way when Philadelphia is this way? Right? Like we were going the complete opposite direction. You know why I took these, this picture? Not because I knew I was going to use it in the summer. No, because I knew I was either going to California. Next slide. It completely shifted. Now we're heading south. I knew I was going to be in Mexico. The plane was hijacked and no one was saying anything. Right? Everybody was quiet. Everybody was quiet. And I was flipping out. A few hours passed, and then I heard the pilot say, welcome to Philadelphia. Imagine my arrogance, right? I have no idea where we are. 
I don't know what altitude we're flying on. Are we here, there? I don't know. All I have is this little app on my phone that tells me if I'm going east or west or north or south. Friends, you might be playing the if game today. You might be saying, God, I was, my life was supposed to head in this way, but why the heck am I going this way? God, I would thought if I said yes to you, this is what was going to happen, that you would hold my life hidden in your arms. Why is this happening? I don't know what if game you are saying today. What if statement you are saying today. Friends, I want to assure you that the God we worship is piloting your life. The God we worship is piloting your life. If you are, if life is hard, know that God is still piloting your life. If you are lonely and exhausted and you are saying, I need something, I want you to know that God is still piloting your life. If you're saying, I'm failing as a Christian, I want you to know God is still piloting your life. No matter what, God is piloting your life. We need to trust him that he will take us to where he wants us to take us, each one of us. So this is what I want you to do this week. I would love for you to memorize this, uh, this verse, if you can. It's 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved as a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Do your best to present yourself to God. Do your best, friends. When you leave this place, do your best to present yourself to God. That's all we're called to do. This morning, I want to invite you to prayer. I want you to put your arms open and lay them on your, lay them on your lap. And I'm going to say a prayer. I want to invite you to pray this prayer. Just repeat what I'm saying in your hearts. You don't have to say it out loud. Let us pray. God, for all the ifs. God, for when life is hard. God, for when we are lonely. For when we are exhausted. For when we have failed. God, please hold my life in your hands. Guide me. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, at this time I want to invite us to worship our God with our tithes and our offering. We give to God as a token of our gratitude for all that Christ has done for us. Let us worship our God.